Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. We are here again today with Ron Kangas. Ron, our last program centered on Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And two words were introduced that we're going to come back to today, image and dominion. Can you give us a short introduction about this very meaningful verse? This verse is so meaningful, it may rightly be called one of the most important verses in the entire scriptures, especially in the Old Testament. In this verse, we have a twofold revelation of why we human beings were created by God. First, we were created in God's image to express Him. Second, we were given God's authority in deputy form to exercise dominion over His enemy, that there would be a peaceful situation on the earth for the God of glory to express Himself. These are some of the riches embodied and implied in this marvelous verse, Genesis 1.26. Thank you for that very helpful introduction. Let's join Witness Lee now with today's life study from Genesis chapter 1. Two crucial words in chapter 1 of Genesis, image and dominion. You can forget the creeping things. You can forget all the fish. You can forget all the birds. But don't forget man with image and dominion. Man has the image and dominion. Not the image of a serpent, but the image of God. It is not a small thing. So this is why I say this is the climax. Here is the climax that is man. Bearing God's image, exercising God's authority to keep a dominion. These two things, the image and the dominion, these two points are just like two seeds sown here in chapter 1 of Genesis. It needs the whole Bible to grow these two seeds. And these two seeds were sown in Genesis 1, and the full maturity, the harvest, is in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. There you can see the whole new Jerusalem bearing God's appearance, expressing God. And at the same time, I tell you, the whole New Jerusalem will be exercising God's divine authority to keep a dominion for eternity. Today, so many got to read Brother Nee's book, The Spiritual Authority. They just utilize that book. They say, we are the elders of the church. We are the leaders of a group of Christians. We are God's authority. As long as you say this, you are true with God's authority. 
you don't bear the image of God. Jesus, when he came, he never told people, you all have to know, I am the Son of God, sent here to you to be your king. He never did this. But while he was on this earth with him, there is the image of God. And there was also the authority of God. The authority all the time comes from the image. The image and dominion are one matter that get through the whole Bible from the first two pages to the last two pages of the Bible. If you are going to represent God with authority, you need to express God in life. All the time, there were some signs expressing God and then representing God. Ron, let's break away from Witness Lee for a moment. Uh, I would like to pick up a word that you used, I believe, in the introduction, and now Witness Lee has mentioned again that image and dominion in Genesis 1 are like two seeds that grow throughout the entire Bible. I'm intrigued by this word seeds and also the implication that they have a progression through the entire Scripture. Would you, would you develop this more for us? I am very fond of this notion of seeds, and it implies, first, an, an initial form of something, and hence the beginning of something. A seed also suggests a promised development of something. Surely a seed is never the, the final form of any kind of life. In particular, a seed implies an organic development, the growth and development of life to maturity. Genesis is a book of beginnings. A book of beginnings has the initial form of something, not the fully matured expression of those things. A governing principle of both the composition and the interpretation of Genesis is that it is a book of seeds. Virtually every divine truth is sown in seed form in this book. Now your comment concerns especially image and dominion as seeds. The principle holds true. Genesis 1.26 is a marvelous seed of image and dominion. This seed, in keeping with the principle of life's development, will undergrow a process of growth and development throughout the scriptures until it reaches the point, we may say, of harvest. What is the book of harvest? Surely it's Revelation. In Revelation, particularly, in the unveiling of the new Jerusalem as the consummation of God's eternal economy, we see the full development of the seeds of image and dominion sown in Genesis 1.26. I can't help but comment that to see this picture of the connection between the first book of Genesis and the conclusion or consummation in Revelation does a great deal to strengthen my faith. It really does 
enrich our experience of the Lord. It strengthens our faith because we're in the middle. We're somewhere between Genesis and Revelation. And when you're in the middle, it's so easy to be engrossed in the process without a clear vision, according to the Scriptures, of God's purpose in the beginning and God's goal in the end. If we lack this clear vision, we may wrongly understand God's intention, we may be in darkness concerning God's purpose, and we may have a serious misunderstanding of God's goal. So, to read Genesis in the light of Revelation and to read Revelation in the light of Genesis is a very healthy exercise. And yes, it strengthens our faith. It shows us we're here for a purpose. And this purpose will be consummated in the eternal, glorious city of God, the New Jerusalem, as the harvest of every positive seed sown in the book of Genesis. I guarantee you, every child of God will be in that consummation. Thank you, Ron. Much as I'd like to linger here, I'm also anxious to get back to Witness Lee. Let's rejoin today's life study. Now from Genesis, we go on to Exodus. In Exodus, the first figure we have is Moses. He was not a big politician, but he was a man that contacted God. In his contact with God, eventually, his face got to shine. Not to shine with electricity, but to shine with the divine glory. That was the bearing of God's image. Moses became a man with authority. He had the authority to rule over the whole house of Israel. He had the authority to defeat the enemy. He fought the battle not with machine guns. He fought the battle just with his little rod. He used the little rod and said to the Red Sea, Open up the way. The waters were divided. And that was his authority. He was a man bearing God's image and representing God with the divine authority. Then, following Moses, we have a people, the people of Israel. And this people was called to be a kingdom. Not a kingdom of kings, but a kingdom of priests. The priesthood is for us to contact God, to get the image of God. And the kingship is for us to represent God, to exercise God's authority. We Christians all have been called to be the priests and to be the kings. Now we come to the four Gospels of the New Testament. Jesus, while he was on this earth, he expressed God. He was a man, a real man, typical man. But all the time, he expressed God. So he obtained the authority over all things. And eventually, you have one verse in Zechariah 
chapter 6, that tells us this Jesus bears priesthood, and he bears the kingship. In other words, he was the priest, and he was also the king. Even today, he's still the high priest, and he's still the king of kings. Why? Because he's the one that expresses God. And he is also the one that represents God. He bears God's image and he holds God's authority. The whole book of the Acts and all the epistles, all these books show us one thing, that the apostles were persons that really bore the image of God. So all the time they did have God's authority. We shouldn't just consider they were good preachers, they were great teachers, that's too low. I tell you, they were persons bearing God's image, exercising the divine authority. Ron, let's break in once again and discuss this middle section today. Can you elaborate more on God's desire for his people to exercise both the priesthood and the kingship? God's desire is related to his people. Of course, every individual component of the family of God matters to God, but God's desire is focused on something corporate, his people. And he wants a people who are exercised. He wants us to exercise priesthood and kingship. Perhaps to some listeners, the terminology is archaic. Well, it's the language of the scriptures. God called Israel to be a nation of priests. In Revelation, we're told that we're a kingdom of priests. Peter says we're a royal priesthood. Image is a matter of priesthood. Dominion is a matter of kingship. The function of the priests is to contact God, receive God, live in the presence of God, and thereby express God. The function of kings is to be under the rule of God and to be one with God, to represent God, and carry out God's interests on the earth. God desires his people to experience him as life in such a way that they will shine him out, expressing him corporately, bearing his image in the midst of this crooked and perverted generation. If we exercise our priesthood to express God, spontaneously we will exercise our kingship to represent him with his dominion. May the Lord gain this among his seeking people today. Ron, time is short, but I gather from the context of your response and and Witness Lee's comments, we're not talking either about a specific class of believers. This is really God's desire for all of us. Is that right? All of God's regenerated people are priests. All of God's regenerated people are born to be co-kings. Actually, if we understand Genesis 1.26 correctly, to be a man, 
To be a human being is to be a priest. To be a man, to be a human being, is to be a king. If we were proper human beings, we would all be priests expressing God, and we would all be kings representing God with His authority. However, mankind became fallen. The Lord redeemed us. God regenerated us. Now He has His family, the Church of God, among God's people. There is no distinction, according to the Scriptures, between so-called professional priests and laid-back, underfunctioning laity. We are a kingdom of priests. And it's time for every child of God who means business with God to rise up in faith, to act in love, and to stand on the scriptural revelation that we are priests and kings, to fulfill God's purpose not only in creation, but God's purpose in redemption and regeneration. In eternity, All of God's redeemed will be priests and kings. But why wait until then? Let's exercise our redemption rights now to fulfill God's desire and to fulfill God's purpose in creating, redeeming, and regenerating us all. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study of Genesis. Both revelations and First Peter tell us that today we Christians are the royal priests. On the one hand, we are priests, and on the other hand, we are kings. You have to contact God to get the real image that you may bear the glory of God in life then you have the authority to represent God. But we know today, most of the Christians, they don't bear the image, so they lose the authority. But praise God, for all the centuries there have been, and there still are, a few saints who do contact God to keep themselves in the real priesthood. And then they have the authority to exercise the kingship over the situation. In the millennium, all the overcoming things will be praised, expressing God, and kings representing God. In eternity, they will serve God as priests, bearing God's image, and they will reign as kings to represent God with God's authority. And the new Jerusalem will bear God's appearance. If you read Revelation chapter 4, God looks like Jasper. God's appearance is like Jasper. All the wall of New Jerusalem is filled with Jasper. In other words, the whole city will look like God's appearance. The city bears God's appearance. And then the city will exercise God's authority. Then in eternity, there will be only two things. 
the whole body of the redeemed saints will bear God's image to express God and will exercise God's authority to represent God. And that is our eternity. Hallelujah. And the eternity is just God's image and God's dominion. So this is the climax. Yet today, we don't need to wait for that day. Today we all can have a foretaste. We can have the foretaste to enjoy the image of God and enjoy the dominion of God. Today, we are the priests and we are the kings. We have to keep our birthright. Hallelujah. Now, we are here expressing God with his image. And we are here representing God with his dominion. What a position. What a responsibility. Yet, what an enjoyment. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are God's priests and we are God's kings. We bear God's image and we have God's dominion. Now, we are the people on this earth that represent God and that express God. Hallelujah. We do have the image and we do have the dominion. Ron, that was a wonderful message by Witness Lee today. I'd like to ask you something about the New Jerusalem. Well, two things, really. First, what does it mean that the city will look like God's appearance? And then secondly, how can a city, the New Jerusalem, exercise God's authority? In Revelation 4, we have an unveiling of God on the throne, and God has the appearance of jasper, dark green in color, symbolizing the richness of the divine life. In Revelation 21, we see that the entire city of New Jerusalem has the appearance of jasper. The city looks just like God. This is the fulfillment of Genesis 1.26. This is the reality and consummation of the image in that verse. New Jerusalem is the consummate corporate image of God. God will have millions upon millions of his redeemed, regenerated people built up in such a way that collectively and corporately they will have God's appearance, God's image. We're told explicitly in Revelation 22.5 that God's redeemed as the components of this city will reign forever and ever. But how will the components of the New Jerusalem reign? We ourselves will be under God's direct rule. We ourselves will be under the throne of God and the Lamb, whence flows the river of water of life. We ourselves will be under the shining God, because we ourselves are under the divine rule. Spontaneously, we will shine God forth, and rule for him over the nations. So what will God have at the end? He will have a city composed of millions of redeemed and regenerated people bearing his image and exercising his authority. God wants this. That's the promise 
of Genesis 1.26. God will get this. That's the assurance of Revelation 21 and 22. Thank you, Ron. And thanks to our wonderful Savior for this uplifted view of this wonderful section of his word. Unto him be all the glory. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to the Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. If you would like more information about this program, then please call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also send us email at radio at lsm.org. For a free download of this program, or to find more information, visit us online at lsm.org. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from this Life Study of Genesis, then we encourage you to freely distribute this program. It's available in MP3 format. Again, it can be downloaded from lsm.org free of charge. Yeah.